Hello everyone, I'm Rachel Chiza, host of the Mitchell Author Podcast, where we celebrate African authors and have bookish conversations. Joining me today is Ruby Yaira Goka from Ghana. She's the author of Even When Your Voice Shakes. Who is Ruby? Um, I think I'm just um, I'm just someone who loves books. Yeah. Okay. I love books. I love reading. Um, a perfect day for me would be a day with food and books. I'll be in bed all day. Mm-hmm. So that's fantasy me. But the real me is um, someone who has to go to work. I'm a dentist. Um, I write in the evenings. Um, I'm not too much of a very social person, but then um, I have my moments. I love to travel. Yeah. And um, I think, in a nutshell, that's me. Okay. I read somewhere on, in one of your interviews when they asked you about uh, what mode of transport would you like to use to travel. And I think you mentioned... <laughs> Of course, planes, because you, you you hate the whole traveling thing where you have to sit for long. and I hate the, the journey in between. Unless it's a new place, then like you're wild by the scenery and everything. But then if you've been on the on the route a number of times, then it kind of uh, gets kind of, you know, boring a little. So if we had teletransportation, you know, like what the Jetsons have, you're here one minute, you're there. Like I'm totally, totally for that. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure that someone is out there creating something with all the technology advancement happening. Someone will find yeah. it. Let's get into your book, even when your voice shakes. I must say that for me, this is your first work that I'm reading. And um, when I read it, I loved it because I love reading young adult fiction or YA fiction, like they call it. And I never understand why people don't like reading it. For me, it, it's so light. And how do you get into writing um, for young adults or even for young readers? Because I don't think you write specifically for young adults. I think for more your previous work, you've been writing for young readers and then gotten into young adults along the way. I tried my hand at writing. Well, I've always written a little all through, you know, when I was younger in school and all those things. But then that's the most stories that you share with your friends, with your family, like your small network of people. So I've always written outside as well. There wasn't anything I took really very seriously. And when I was in medical school, I was part of our editorial team as well. And um, so I wrote, I wrote stories there, but then I never, uh, I never put my name to the story. So I submitted them anonymously or they were printed anonymously because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't bear like, you know, people, the feedback. I thought I, I wasn't too confident in myself. Let me just say that. So I just submitted anonymously. Then um, after school, there was uh, was this advert in one of the newspapers here and was calling for for it was the better world competition and they were calling for um young adult writers at that time um, i had submitted one of my uh, manuscripts one of my my very first manuscripts uh, to a publisher and was in the process of of being uh, published so that was disfigured so I thought, well, I've written for adults. Let me try and let me try my hand at, you know, children's book. And the mistake I made was that I thought writing for children, you know, reading for children is really easy. So I thought writing 
children would be easier as well. So I just kept delaying, delaying. And then when it was two weeks at the deadline, and I started writing and then like uh, the whole story was done in five pages. And I think they were playing for about 80, 80 plus pages or something, you know, so now it's really hot. So I took time off work and um, actually sat down. I went back and reread some old uh, young adults books just to get into what, how the story flows and all that. And um, on the day of deadline, then you had to go and submit a physical copy. Mm -hmm. So on the same day, I now had to go and print it and, you know, rush across town. They actually missed the deadline by a few minutes a day. <laughs> They accepted the submission and um, I placed third in, in that first competition. So I think that just spared me on and placing third and it was quite a prestigious award. So it opened doors to other publishers and other people in the industry. So subsequently it was easier to 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 write. And um, I think I went into children and young adults because like um, like you said, the stories are not so complex, you know, they are they just follow a certain trajectory. You get to the point quickly. And um, I don't know, I think I just enjoy writing for that age group, maybe because it takes back to that time as well. So um, the competition ran for, I think, seven years or eight years. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. So each year I submitted a manuscript. And each year uh, I was in the first three. So. I think that that's award competition, the best award competition is what started it for me. Wow, that's amazing. Because I feel like with every creative person, not just even writers, when, when you're doing your work, you want to have some form of validation. And I feel like when the prizes come in, that keeps you <laughs> going. You're like, yeah, I think I'm doing something right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So let's let's get into um, how do you get to even when your voice shakes? Because I know you mentioned somewhere that it was something I heard on the news and the story just stuck with me. It was of a much younger girl. I think she was below 10 years old and um, a neighbor had defiled her, had sent her to get something when she had come here, taken her to an un uncompleted building and defiled her. Tell her mom and her mom went to reports um, at the police station and her dad was not around when he came back the police were investigating had gone to arrest their neighbor and all that and the father said he didn't want to pursue the case anymore and then yes that they settled the matter at home you know so the the that story the injustice of it just stuck to me yeah and after a while i think i just kept after a while just the image of Amele and someone with, you know, and for me, when I'm writing, sometimes I start to, so then Amele's voice started speaking to me and then the story started outlining itself and I knew I just had to write it. Okay, because when I read it, it's very light to read. I, I like that it's light, even if it has quite heavy themes, but it's a light read and it's really enjoyable. Um, when I was reading it, I was, I was so happy. I was like... I miss this sort of writing, which is just so beautiful and light and you enjoy it, but the author is still trying to, the author still puts the message across and you get it and you you appreciate that. Uh, because even with your characters, I love that they're so relatable. I remember uh, seeing Amelie and then her, 
her best friend and then that Amalie's boyfriend is a taxi tout. That's something we don't see often. <laughs> we don't see that often. It's always some middle class thing going on in most novels, but these are common people that we see and meet every day, people selling wares on the street or during traffic jam. <laughs> like that really stuck with me. I was like, oh, all right, this is different. It's very different and relatable. So thank you for choosing to go that way. I don't know if it, if it was a hard decision for you to make to center your characters that way. It was, so it was a bit more based on the, the story I heard, but then I decided to... And increase the age, make her a teenager, because um, I was also hoping that this book would start conversation and the conversation around consent. Um, so I was also hoping it would start the conversation around consent in, in young adults, you know, catch them early before they become adults. So um, it wasn't too hard to place some early yeah. age. I think it just it just evolved. I think organically. Okay, and um, I wonder because I know that you you mentioned something about the editorial process in in the conversation in the book club conversation that I attended. You mentioned a bit about the editorial process and how working with. I think this is a U.S. edition. Well, um, this one is the U.S. Okay, that's yes. the, so the Yes. So the content is is the same story, but then um, there's some things which had to be edited for the US market because um this this was <laughs> I saw this as a bit too graphic, so <laughs> we have to tone this down a little. Okay. And I wanted us to talk about that. I attended um a festival last year, the Momentum Festival in Scotland, and that's one of the things that they were discussing during one of the workshops for young adult fiction where they were saying that writers need to be able to give trigger warnings um to their readers you know that expect this expect that and when you mentioned that about your editing process i wondered though how that works because in a context even if you had you know said whatever you said about the different characters I feel like would still have gotten it because I don't know if, if it's right to say we're used to graphic situations. Is that right? <laughs> and 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 seeing that now with the Americans, they choose to you know reduce on the graphic on the graphics for their readers. As a writer, what do you think about that? Well, um, so I think it depends on the culture, the setting of the story. Because in the Ghanaian edition, um, her mom, her mom slaps her, you know, really hits her hard, and, and she actually falls back. And in Ghana, that is normal. It's not. I mean, if you go to school and say my mom hits me or my mom beats you, no one is going to raise an eyebrow or say anything, you know. But apparently, it's it's, it's a big thing. Like you just can't hit somebody like. So I was actually like tone that down for the audience in the US, okay. and then for the for the bedroom scene as well just to tone it down a little so i think it depends on the context and the um and the culture of that area of of, of that region okay so for someone like amele who um, who used to share a room with her parents you know um she knew what intimacy was she knew what her parents were up to because it was the same room 
and and um, I would say that cuts across for all children in Ghana, but then um, in some areas, there'll be people, I mean, that's a real life situation that happens. So we can't pretend and say some kids don't know about this or some, you know, but then I I, I, I understood where they were coming from, okay? In, in Ghana, it's not really a big thing if your mom hits you or if you're punished by, by you know, we've outlawed corporal punishments in school, but then again, it's not, no one would raise their brows really, you know? So um, I think it depends on the, the area and, and the context of the story, yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. I totally agree because in Uganda, it's the same thing. Punishment, really, if my mom slapped me, no big deal, life goes on. <laughs> life goes on that's very interesting though um did you enjoy writing the book because i know as a reader i really really enjoyed the book of course i felt it was a bit like the ending was too rushed but i realized also that it's the age group that you're writing for they would you don't want them to get lost in the details yet we as adults we like those details i want to see what happens when they go to court what did the judge say initially um it was going to be a two-part series but the second part, you know, so in the first part, um, um, both General and Saeed uh, abused her. Okay, so um, in, in this edition, that's what happened. But then the one you were reading is just General. So initially, it was supposed to be um, the second, there was supposed to be a sequel to it, which was going to be Saeed's story. Because I liked Saeed. Okay, I, I... Me too, I liked him. <laughs> but then my point was um and and now with with peer pressure you know and i don't know if this happens in uganda as well but in ghana for a, a time there were young teenage boys gang raping their the girls in their class in their class and videotaping it you know and some people would come out oh but i know this boy he's not like that you understand yeah. so um there supposed to be a second part to the book where it was going to be Zaid's point of view so we like Zaid, we know he's as hard as a good person but then i just wanted a second scenario where you know good people make mistakes sometimes but that doesn't that's not like a cross you have to bear your whole life so the second part with the court and with everything would be from Zaid's point of view okay. that was initially what it was supposed to be but um, that didn't happen yeah you know initially when I read the book there were you know what they called uh, what did writers call them um there were signposts. So I thought, I actually thought Said was going to be the culprit because he was just too friendly. It's like, mm, mm -mm. I think this boy. So it was a nice surprise that instead it was General who did it. But if Said had done it, I wouldn't have been surprised. I've been like, yeah, I, I saw it coming. He was too friendly. He was just being, you know, if part two had come out, I'd have been like, Yes, I knew it. <laughs> I knew I was going to do it. But yeah. You know, that was the, um, again, the editorial process. So when it was in this book, that was my plan that the second part would be of Saeed and his and sort of. Again, um, with the US version, um, we had to. So so there's, there's a thing for when you're writing for young people. Your, your book has to have a message of hope and there shouldn't be so many like 
bad things, you know. So instead of having both of them, we have one good person who was maybe in a bad place at the time. So that's how come Saeed didn't do it. So um, even though he didn't do it, now the case of wasn't really, you know, as strong as if he had been taking part in the act itself. So the and forth, back and forth, and we just that. Okay, I, I like that uh, you've mentioned that. I wonder though, how do you relate the first edition to the second edition? Because even if the second edition is published in the US, I'm sure it's in Ghana, right? And it's being sold alongside the first edition. So the um, it's it's not it's unless you purchase on Amazon. Okay, they don't have rights to sell in Ghana that edition wow. because it's basically a story. But then there is the um, the Nigerian edition is being sold here. Okay. But then most people who read the first one have read this, so um, right. yeah, it's really the same story. And who published the Nigerian edition? Reader Books. Oh, okay. So would uh, because I when I read the book I yeah was it easy for you writing this book because you've talked about the inspiration for it did you want to spark conversation around those topics and have those conversations been sparked since the book was released yeah I should think so I should think um people yeah when people um people recommended young adults are talking about it so I think at least that's that aspect of it is being met. And like I said, it was it was the book practically wrote itself. Yeah. I mean, one I knew what her thoughts were. I knew and and I knew where it would end. I knew what happened to her. It practically wrote itself. Okay. And for you, would you say that uh, is it easy? Because I know in Uganda it's not easy to get books onto the curriculum is it easy in ghana say to get your book onto the curriculum because it's very it's a very important book no it's not that's very sad no, no it's not <laughs> that's very sad because this is a to- this is, it's a book that's very important and speaks about topics that young adults are facing yeah and then it's it's a long process and i think somewhere along the way we we just gave up oh you tried doing it before yeah oh my goodness ah well it's their loss i hope very much I hope more parents are able to get their kids the book to read because for me, I, I would really love to get my sister who is 18 to get her the book to read it and hear her, you know, her thoughts on the book, but also on the, on the, on the themes in the book, because you raise such important themes that I wish when I was younger or when I was 18, 17, 16, I wish there were books like that. I mean, we're reading Mills and Born. Why? Yeah, I know. Same thing. <laughs> Why were we reading those books at that age? But I'm so grateful that we have more young adult fiction coming out now. So we, we don't have an excuse. At least I know I'll always have books to point people to so that they start conversations going. And I don't know what has been your experience writing for young readers, especially in Ghana. And I, d- I wonder if all your books have been self-published. No, so I've actually only self-published one book. Okay. Um, so remember talking about the competition. So um and it was easy getting uh, publishers after uh, I won the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it easier, for some reason, I find it easier to write for younger adults than 
for adults. So that's how I have more young adults books. So it's not really a difficult thing for me. Um, the the challenge is um, there's been a, a change in our education system. We now have a free senior high school policy. Um, previously, we could sell books directly to schools, and the book would be um, added to the school um, the students' fees. So would would contact the headmasters. They would give a sample or copies of the books to the um, English teachers. They would read, select what they wanted. So um, and then there was a policy where each students had to read three books a term, like supplementary books. So if your book got on that list, then you could um, then you'd make you know you'd have a wider audience and all that. But then new policy you can't sell to schools anymore so publishers are a bit hesitant to um, publish to take on new books now because they still have old stuff they haven't sold so that has been the challenge the challenge now selling how to sell because you can't go through the school system anymore yeah but for the writing part that's 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 not a problem it's how to distribute it that's not a problem uh-huh i and i think i think that's an issue africa-wide book distribution people are writing uh-huh. but how to get books across borders that's the issue yeah. well i and i hope we crack it eventually uh, do you think that for you publishing even when your voice shakes with uh, an american publisher do you think that's a breakthrough in your writing um maybe it's a step i don't think it's a breakthrough breakthrough yeah it's it's just a pleading somewhere so we yet to see where it's going there's no it's, it's not yet but hopefully i hope it picks up or i hope you know okay all right and then um when it comes to your nine to five so to speak the dentistry <laughs> How are you able to balance that with the writing? Because I know that for me, having a nine to five and then doing meet your author, some days it's overwhelming that I take a break and don't look at meet your author project for a while. And when yeah, I so, the strength, I get back. Yes. Yeah, so the main thing for me is I don't write every day. Okay. I don't like I, I don't make it. You know, there are some people who are so disciplined, so focused. I have to write two pages every day. I have to write ten thousand, a thousand words. I don't do that. So I write when I have time. If I come home and I'm too tired and I don't I don't feel like it, I don't. But then if I'm really into the story, like that's usually in the middle to the end. When I can now see when I'm when I'm starting, I think the biggest thing for me is when I'm starting. But then when I'm really into the flow of things, then I don't know, I just get like this adrenaline boost or something that I don't even feel tired. Yeah. So it's when the book is done. I finally feel the exhaustion. So mm-hmm. I, I just think it varies from person to person. But generally, I don't I don't write every day. Only write when the edge is so overwhelming. And when I need a break, I take a break and rest. Okay, that's very interesting. And I'm glad that you're able to do that. I, I also do that. I don't write every day, but I try to at least a week won't pass when I've written, I've not written something. I always try to pace um, myself. Yeah, I pissed myself. All right. Um, when you were writing, even when your voice shake, were you listening to anything? Were you reading anything for inspiration? Um, no, when I was writing, no. But then previously I had written, um, I had read, like many years ago, I'd read Speak by um, Rehals Anderson. And I think that's one book that really stayed with me. So if anything at all, maybe 
And I wanted my book to follow those those lines, or not really follow those lines, but then I really liked that story. It's one story that stayed with me. But then when I was reading, no, no. It was just the news item that just, you know, kept the injustice of it, which just kept me going. Yeah. All right. Could you mention the author of Speak Again? Laurie Hulse Anderson. Laurie. I can send it on IG. Oh, thank you so much. That would be great. Okay, and then who was or who, which African writer did you ever read first and you fell in love and that started your oh, journey? Yes. So um, I think my very, I don't know if it was my first, but then I do remember um, The Great Ponds by Elechia Maji. Mm-hmm. I read that when I was in junior high school and I just love, I think I go back and read that book once a year. I just love that story. I love it so much. And then I read things fall apart and all that. But then my first young um, adult book by an African was The Jasmine Candle by Christine Botre. I'll send you that as well. Yeah, and I totally adore, I adore that book, The Jasmine Candle, because that was a YA book. It was my first YA, you know. And I'd, I'd read, you know, all the African, most of, not most, but then my dad used to have African writer series. So I used to read those as well. But then these were younger people, you know, and, and it was set in Ghana and she was describing and Kenke and most of our local foods. And I was just like totally, totally in love with that book. So uh, the Jasmine Candle and Spears Down and the Great Ponds. Those are some of the books that I, I try and read once a year because I just love those books. Nice. <laughs> so I'll send you I'll send you those later. Thank you. I'm so glad that the first YA book uh, that you read that really got to you was by an African writer. Imagine I read yeah. I read <laughs> and, and the surprising thing turns out that she was also a dentist. Oh wow. And that's to do with my life so that's really <laughs> yeah that's thank you christy <laughs> oh my goodness yeah. what a coincidence yeah it's i think yeah. when i was reading about you and um your writing and as well as your practice i was just like you make it possible you know how we always think that you can't have it all so to speak like you concentrate on one thing don't do the other but you, you you showed me that it's possible. You can actually pursue two things and do them really well. And this doesn't take away that, of course, that the years, the hours could be long, but you're doing it. Thank you. Yeah, and, and that's really great. That's amazing. So thank you so much for writing the book. I, I Do you have more work in progress? Um, so... Um... <laughs> So funny you should see. So I have been next, and I'm just getting like a hazy outline yet. I don't know where the story is going, but I know um the main character is a girl with um a chronic pain issue. So it's going to have something to do with um I, I'm not too sure yet, but it's going to have something to do with menstruation because you know um, for some people that pain can be really terrible. Yes, yeah. yeah, and it's not something we talk about. It's oh, you're a woman, you're a girl, you yeah, know. Yeah. But some people, it could be more than you know. It might be endometriosis. It could be some other thing. But then everyone keeps brushing it aside, and because it's not a physical pain you see with your eyes, yes. you know. So all just uh-huh. so I'm still thinking about something around those those lines and. 
hopefully more of the story comes to me hopefully it does I, I, I'm really excited for you and I wish you all the best Thank you for joining us today. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and enjoy a bookish ride.